This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. This meeting is being sponsored by the World Service Literature Committee for the distinct purpose of recording qualifications for the FA CD and tape library. Would you please join me in a moment of silence to do it as you wish, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to do the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I'm nervous as hell, so I guess that's good. How many food addicts are here besides myself? Now I feel better. <laughs> um, you know, in the big book it says what I'm supposed to do is talk a little bit about what I used to be like, what I've happened, and what I'm like today. And uh, I hear a lot of times in meetings it says what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like today. And it took me a long time to realize I was the it. You know, um, you know, I thought food was the problem, and then I realized that the problem is when it gets put in my body. You know, something happens to me differently that I can't eat flour and sugar that other people can. I don't know what it is or why I have it, I just know I got it, you know, and uh, that's where I had to finally get to was to accept that fact that, you know, I've got it, you know, <laughs> and it doesn't matter if the world gets it or if they don't or not, you know, it's, it's the, the, the fact is that I have it. Um, when I came into this program, I was 265 pounds, uh, I was on a sleep actia machine, I was taking 3,000 milligrams of Moltrin a day to function. Um, I was on high blood pressure pills, which they told me I would be on the rest of my life. Um, and I didn't think I had a problem. You know, I, I got here because there was a friend that was going to get his stomach stapled. And um, we came to this program to find a place for him so that it, this wouldn't happen. And uh, he didn't stay, and, and I did. You know. Um, to kind of qualify myself as a food addict, um, I, I don't remember much of having a problem with food as a kid growing up. Um, I'm also an alcoholic, and, and my food addiction really happened after I got sober, and um, that's when my food addiction really took off because you know I switched substituted from from alcohol to food, uh, which I believe because I knew when I ate. Um, it was like I could stuff these feelings down, and I could actually feel it happening. When I would eat, I could feel things get better. I felt like I was I could function a little better, um, and, and so I would eat. And then um, my last year of eating, that didn't work anymore. You know, um, I, you know, I would I used to I would drive through a drive-through. Um, I would order for two people, even though I knew there was only one person, because I was ashamed of how much I ate. And um, and I didn't want anybody to know. So like these people, you know, I don't think they really cared. All they cared about is that I had enough money to pay for the food that I order. 
but I didn't see it that way. Yeah, um, the whole world was about me. Everything was about me. You know, um, when I came to this program, um, I was a very extremely self-centered, egotistical, um, abusive person. Uh, growing up, when I, I I would abuse my kids, um, if they got in front of the TV, I would kick them. Um, if they ate any of my food, um, I was just really, really, really sick. Um, and I didn't see it. I didn't see that I was sick. You know, um, it was the only way that I knew. Yeah. Um, our family was a pretty insane family. Um, I've had a lot of suicide in our in our family. I've had my sisters. I've had a sister-in-law that's committed two sister-in-laws that's committed suicide. A nephew. Actually, two nephews that committed suicide, and uh, um, our whole family was just pretty crazy. You know, I, I don't think much of my blood family. Um, you people are my family. Um, I've never been close to anybody in my blood family. Um, I, I to this day don't don't see much of them or talk much to them or anything. Um, one of the best things that my father did for me when I was about 27 years old was he walked into my house and I had stole some money for a bowling league from a bowling league and and he put this money on the table and he said um, you're no longer my son and he walked out of the house and never talked to me again for three years and um, that was the best thing that this guy ever done for me because when he did that it was the first time I quit um, I quit leaning on people. You know, I, I always had, as long as I had someone that would bail me out of trouble, then I would use it. You know, um, just I look back today, and, and and it's a total miracle to me that I'm that I'm abstinent. It's a total miracle to me that I'm sober. Um, a little more about myself. Um, I broke into a store when I was about 12 years old, and um, I stole a bunch of food and some booze, and we went down to a, a camping out, and, and we ate all this food and threw it all away. And and all this stuff kind of went over my head, and you know I forgot all about any of this stuff as I grew up. Um, I got to a point where I just completely... I didn't think about anybody. I absolutely didn't think about anybody or anybody. I I got married um, when I was 18 years old, and I got married because I didn't want to be at home any lo- anymore, and I was terrified to be by myself. And, and I remember when I graduated from high school, the the one thing I do remember is um, when we threw our hats up in the air. I remember saying, "What the hell am I going to do now?" You know. <laughs> Um, I spent from the time I was 12 years old till the time I was 21 on probation or in juvenile hall or or on my way back. Um, yeah, uh, I was a type of person that you know I, I I would bring I brought women into the house I would have sex with them on the couch. Um, my wife caught me. Uh, she took a butcher knife to my son and was going to cut his head off to get back at me. Um, 
I laughed at her and she looked at me and said, you SOB, you're not worth it. And she threw the knife down. And um, I mean, that's how I was. I was just one sick person. You know, um, I hate admitting it, but but it's true. Um, I, I had a, I had, um, I have three children. Um, one that's passed away and two that are still alive. My my first son passed away when he was two and a half years old, uh, or excuse me, two and a half months old, uh, due to a heart problem. His inside of his his heart was his arteries were switched, and so they, all they could do was go in and cut a hole in his heart to make a defect. And um, this was when I was drinking and. My wife was trying to find me to tell me that my son was in the hospital, or that our son was in the hospital. And I, I uh, it was hiding in the floorboard of uh, a friend's car. And she told, said, tell the SOB that his son's in the hospital. And she knew I was hiding in the car. And I, I remember going there to the hospital and um, seeing, seeing him in the hospital. And I remember seeing the heart machine, and I remember saying to you know God, you know I'll, I'll stop drinking if you just make him be okay. And he made it through the operation in his heart. And, uh, and then the next day, on the way home, I had a beer. And on the next morning, I went back there and I seen his heart stop three times, and he and he passed away and died. And I blamed myself for many years that it was my fault. Um, I never went to his grave. I never put a tombstone on his grave for 14 years. Um, um, I was just, like I said, a very sick individual. Um, this this program, the 12 steps, I talk a lot about the 12 steps. And the reason why I talk about the 12 steps is because that is what has literally saved my life. Um, I was watching a thing on TV the other day, and there was a, they were talking about this pill that's coming, and it was being able to eat whatever you want to eat and not gain weight. You know, and my first reaction was, you know, why didn't they come out with that six years ago before I came to this program? You know, and then my next thought was, you know, I wouldn't have what I have today. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have a beautiful wife, uh, someone that cares for me. I wouldn't allow. I wouldn't allow anybody in my life if it hadn't been for this program because this program has taught me how to open myself up and become willing to let you people see me for who I am. Um, my, my, whole, my whole life changed as a result of working the steps. Um, to the way I, that I came in here um, I talk a lot more, uh, I like to talk about the steps. And the reason why I like to talk, talk about the steps is, like I say, this is what saved my life. Um, when I found out that I was a food addict, um, the, the reason I found out that and how I did that was through my eating. You know, um, I tried every, I think, remedy that I could possibly get. I tried every kind of diet that allowed me to eat a lot of food. Um, I didn't try any kind of a diet whatsoever 
where it was weighing and measuring or anything where it said that you had to go to meetings and around people like Weight Watchers or any of that kind of stuff. I, I'm a total isolator. And um, uh, but uh, I remember I got onto the Dr. Atkins diet and the only how I got on that, I read one paragraph in this book and it said that if you're hungry, you're not eating enough. And my first reaction was to that, that, you know, maybe I could do this program, you know. And it said that I could eat as much as I wanted of certain foods. And they happened to be things that I liked. And so um, I did it, you know, and I, and I lost, I was about 240 pounds and I got down to 170 pounds. And to, to say a little more, at, at, 100, at 240 pounds, I hated myself. And then I got down to 170 pounds and I hated myself. And I started eating again. I remember looking in the mirror and looking at myself and saying, I hate you. And I started eating again. And then I got up to 250 pounds and then I tried the Dr. Atkins diet again and it didn't work the second time. So I tried this another diet called this cabbage soup diet. And I got on that and the reason the same thing, it said I could eat as much of this stuff as I wanted and the more I ate, the more I would lose. And I thought, well, this will work, I can do this. And then it would say every third day you would allow to have a baked potato. And I remember getting this baked potato that was bigger than my plate. It was like three pounds, I think, for one potato. And that's the way I ate, you know. I was never one, I don't think so much for flour and sugar, but I definitely was quantities. You know, I loved eating. and. Uh, so I, I lost, good, on that diet, I got down to 170 pounds again. And I remember the same thing happened again. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, I hate you. And I started eating again. And then I got, this time I got up to um, 260 pounds. And I decided I was gonna try this cabbage soup diet again because it worked last time. And I remember making it, Having it on the pot, having the pot on the stove, pouring a bowl of it out, and that's as far as I got. I looked at it, I smelt it, and I thought, "Ain't no way, I can't do this." And I dumped it into the garbage disposal and turned it on. And then I said, "Okay, God, if I'm to be heavy, be heavy, then just let me be okay with being fat." And um, and I've tried, and I pretended that everything was okay. And, and it wasn't. I couldn't be okay. I would sneak off from work, um, go to buffets. Um, you know, the only reason why I would go to movies was to eat. Um, just, I just got, it got really bad. And like I said, I, I got up to a point where I got up to 265 pounds. I'd lost all the cartilage in my right leg. Um, so I was on, I was taking 3,000 milligrams of Motrin for the pain. Um, I came to FA, like I said, because of a friend that needed this program. And I remember, you know, I sit up there and I thought, I made fun of the, the meetings. It was called FA and, you know, and I called it Fat Asses Anonymous. And, and here I was, 265 pounds. And, and when they told me, you know, that I had to get up and share when I got 90 days, I thought, you know, I didn't want to share because, you know, I knew I had to be honest and tell people what I thought, <laughs> what I what I would say. So uh, I always try, my first 90 days, I was trying to figure out how I could lose my abstinence without losing my abstinence because I was terrified to eat because I, I, I didn't want to go back to where I came from. Uh, the weight for me came off very fast, you know. Um, 
eating the way we eat, I lost my weight in like five months. In fact, I got down below what my goal was, and then I had to keep eating more food to get to gain weight, and which was a totally difference. Um, I used to slug myself, and I, I hated myself so much. I would hit myself in the face. I would shower, um, and I would beat my head on the shower because I hated myself so much. Um, and I was given a prayer, a cleansing prayer, to say over and over and over again. And I would say this prayer, and I'd put my hands over my head, and I'd cleanse my body of all the outside influences that were not of my own making. And I would say this repeatedly over and over and over again because I hated myself so much. Um, I hated women. <laughs> and like I said, for me, that was a miracle because it seemed like I thought God had a real sense of humor because he put me in a program at the time. I was like one of the only two guys that, in the program in our area. And, uh, and, um, and then I had to get a woman sponsor. <laughs> And as a kid growing up, you know, um, you know, I don't trust women. My my sister used to tie me up in a gunny sack when I was real little, and um, so I didn't have a, a strong belief in women that women weren't going to, to abuse me in some ways. Bad, um, but you know, I just started doing what I was told to some extent. You know, you know, I, I got a sponsor. And um, I'm not one that that gives out information real easy. If you ask me questions, I won't lie to you. But if you don't ask me questions, I won't offer you any information. So, you know, and uh, so I, I was told to do the tools in this program, and I was told that you, you know, to read the big book at night, to do read two pages of the big book, to read the 24-hour book, um, everything everybody else was told to do. Um, but then they didn't ask me if I did them all the time. So they asked me for like about a month or a month and a half how I was doing. And then I was finally asked by my sponsor, well, how was your tools? How are you doing with your tools? Are you reading the 24-hour book? Yeah. Are you making phone calls? Well, I don't get them all in, but yes, I am making phone calls. Are you reading the big book? No. And, and asked why. And I said, well, I don't have a lamp in my bedroom. So, because I was supposed to read them just before I turned the light off, read these two pages, the last thing to do at night. So I was told to go buy a lamp. And, <laughs> but, so this went on for about a month later. Then my sponsor asked me again a month later, well, are you reading the tools? Are you doing the? Are you reading the big book? And I said no. And they said, why? And I said, well, I haven't got a light bulb for the lamp. <laughs> this is you know. so. Then after that one, I was told to buy a light bulb and turn it on. You know, so, you know. so I had to be, and I did. You know, and I started reading the big book. You know, and I'm like I say, I'm an alcoholic, and and I had no problem with the big book. For some reason, I didn't want to. You know, I just didn't want to do what you people wanted me to do. You know, I just I'm very stubborn. You know, um, I like I want things my way. Yeah, you know, it, it's taken a, a lot of work for me to change. Yeah, um, I. 
when I finally accepted it was through writing down on a piece of paper and, and writing out my history and then looking at myself and seeing that I truly am a food addict and that I do belong here. And then the second step, the way that I was told to work the second step was because I didn't believe in God. I, I didn't believe, and if there was a God, I didn't think he would help me because I had, you know, I was really screwed up. I was one sick individual. I was abusive. There was no way God would help me. And um, so I was told that I could write and make my own concept of a God. And I was told to write on the top of the piece of paper that God does not do deals. That any time I was willing to do it his way, that he would help me to the best of his ability. But any time I wanted to do it my way, he wouldn't interfere. And what this done for me is it eliminated my being able to blame God anymore for what's happened in my life. You know, I finally realized that it was Jimmy, me, that was the problem, and that God just stepped out of the way and let me do whatever I wanted. But any time I wanted to do it his way, he was always there. And I just didn't realize it and didn't know it until I finally, until I took this step. And then when I took my third step, um, first time I took my third step, I took it just like it said in the original manuscript of the big book, as it says, on your knees. With, and I did. I took my third step with my sponsor, and I took it. Um, we just took it on our knees. And um, taking that step was um, was a big deal for me. And when I sat down with a pencil and paper and took my fourth step. Um, what that did for me is it opened up in me a conscience. Because like I said, I was a very abusive person. Um, I didn't care about any people. I didn't care. I didn't even know that I hurt people. But when I took my fourth step, God allowed me to feel all the pain that I caused in all, the, all of my, all the people's lives. Um, I was able to feel the pain that I was, that I caused in my son's life when I would, uh, was so abusive with them as a growing up as they were growing up and um, um, you know I, this, I was so sick that my second wife on Mother's Day um, I didn't buy her a present and she was hurt and, and my reaction was well you're not my effing mother why should I help you why should I buy you a present and I thought that I was justified because she wasn't my mother you know, and when I took this four step I seen for the first time how that could, how that hurt her, you know, and um, I was just blown away. When I made amends to my, my two sons that are, are alive and my son that passed away, um, my son that I passed, that passed away, I was able to finally, I went back and I bought a tombstone for his grave and I put a tombstone on his grave. And then when I, I went back there, and I hadn't been there, I bought the tombstone without going there, so I'd never seen it. And um, when I went there to make amends, I, I had written out what I was going to say to him. And uh, the miracle was that I went right to the gravesite. I'd never been there. <laughs> I went right to the gravesite, found it, and I, and I broke down, and I just started crying. And I just, and I apologized for not acknowledging him because I just kind of pretended like he never existed. And um, with my my other son that I abused that was alive, um, when, I, when I went to him and made amends to him, 
um, he told me it was just okay. You know, Dad, it was okay. And I told him, you know, it's, it's not okay. It, what I'd done to you was, was wrong in the way I was very abusive. And he finally told me what he went through um, because my kids moved to Alaska to get away from me when he was about 13 years old. And then um, he moved back and lived with me in his senior year in high school, my oldest boy did. And um, and he told me what it was like not hearing from me for five years and and not sending them a postcard or, or, or a birthday card or, or any acknowledgement whatsoever. And when that happened, I really felt the pain of that. And and I'm you know today I, I call my kids um, today. Um, one of the biggest miracles that happened to me was one day. Um, my oldest boy let me take my granddaughter to the park uh, by myself and to play with. And, and the miracle was that I, that I could play with a small child and not hurt them because I couldn't before. Um, my life has changed so much, you know, and it's all been very slowly. I don't see the change, you know, immediately in my life. I don't see the change in my life. You know, I... I remember, you know, like I've said many times, my first sponsor for many years, I thought my name was, well, I guess I shouldn't say it, but it wasn't very good. It was the backside of a person, you know, but because um, I would never, I would just flat wouldn't do anything. You just say, just listen, just do what you're told. You know, just do what you're told. And uh, it was like three years later, he actually called me by my first name, and and I thought that this guy had really changed. You know, <laughs> I didn't think that I didn't see that I had changed. You know, I just seen that this guy got mellower. He wasn't calling me names anymore. You know, it never occurred to me that maybe it was because I was doing what I was told. You know, finally after three years, I was finally doing what I was told, and uh, he didn't have a reason to call me any name. <laughs> but I, I need I need tough sponsors. I need the type of sponsor that is willing to tell me the truth. Um, I don't need a sponsor that's going to tell me everything's okay. Don't worry about it. You know, things will get better. You know, because they're not. Things aren't going to get better if I don't change. You know, um, it's just a fact. You know, if I if I continue to do the things that I'm doing, I'm going to get exactly what I'm what I'm getting. Um, it was only by making amends. Um, learning to do, learning to make amends, and learning what making amends was. Um, finding out that making amends was not saying I was sorry; it was actually trying to do my best to wrong a right. And um, one of my first experiences on that was was when um, I had stole some money from somebody, and um, at my work. And, and I stole it on a justified resentment because this guy had stole from me, and so I was getting even with him stealing from me. And as far as I was concerned, I was justified because he stole from me first. And then when I had to go make amends, my sponsor told me that I wasn't allowed to tell him about him stealing from me, <laughs> that all I was allowed to do was to make amends for what I had done. And I did, and I was flat broke at the time. And, and uh, I had this money in an envelope, and I handed it to the guy. 
and I told him what I had done, and he handed me the envelope back and said, you know, just you telling me this is, is enough. And he gave me the gave me the envelope back, and, and I was flat broke, living on the front room of somebody's house. And and I remember going home and thinking, this is pretty cool. You know, God God really works in strange ways. And, and I told my sponsor about it, and my sponsor said that same, listen, so-and-so, <laughs> that money doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. You take it back there, and you give it to him. And so I did. And the second time I went back there, and I handed him the money, I told him, you know, listen, I really don't care what you do with it. It doesn't belong to me. What I've done is I stole this money from you, and it belongs to you. And so I give it to him. And when I walked away from that, it was the first time I ever felt clean with somebody. I knew that I had done my best to right the wrong, and I understood for the first time what righting a wrong was. And um, when I went to make amends to my parents, um, I made amends to my father, but I wouldn't make amends to my mother because she was at the time sleeping. and Or that's what my excuse was, that she was at the time sleeping. And then that, they were in Sacramento, and then I went... I came all the way back to San Jose, and uh, my sponsor asked me if I had made the amends, and I told him, well, I made amends to my dad, but my mother was asleep. So he, we got back in his car and drove all the way back to Sacramento, and we did the first three steps on our knees in my parents' yard, and I went in and made amends to my father again, who was getting Alzheimer's at that time or and my mother, I don't know if she really knew who I was when I was when I made the amends or not. And he said it didn't matter. You know, I knew what I had done, and I was making amends for what I had done. And when I left, within less than six months, my mother was die. My mother died, and then and not too almost a year later, my father died. You know, so I thank God that I was able to make those amends while they were alive. You know, um, I did learn by how to make amends to someone that is not alive, you know, by from my sponsor. He taught me how to write the letter and like I said when I went and made amends to my son. And um then I like I said, I had stole from this grocery store which I had said a long time ago and this came up in my four step and my sponsor, um, when I when I took my fifth step, she told me that I needed to go make these amends to this grocery store in in Sacramento, and um, and I never did it. I hadn't went and made it because she finally, she would ask me, you know, have you done it? And I would say no. But if you didn't ask me, I wouldn't say anything. And so she had to go speak in Sacramento. And she said, well, you know what? Why don't you go speak for me? And while you're there, make these amends. <laughs> and um, so I went to Sacramento and I spoke. And I remember going searching for this grocery store. I found one of the grocery stores that I stole from. And I went there and I made amends. And the guy was still alive. He was in the hospital that I stole from. And the guy that was there, uh, the manager, didn't really understand and, and what I was doing. And, but he took the money finally anyway. And then I was trying to find this other store that I'd stole the food from, and I could not find it. And I had searched and searched and searched, and I just couldn't find it. And um, 
I gave up and I said, okay, God, if I'm, if I'm not supposed to find this place, would you please at least help me find the freeway so I can get home? And because I was totally lost. And I started driving around trying to find the freeway and then I came around the corner and there was the store. It was exactly the way it was when I stole from it back in the 50s. Um, I went into the store and the, it was still a family-owned store. Only the, the daughter and the son owned the store. And I, and I made amends with the daughter and told her why I was there. And she, um, she told me that I needed to go talk to the, her brother who was behind the meat counter. And so I went to him and I gave him the envelope and I explained to him uh, you know, that I was a food addict and that I had stole from this place and that I needed to make amends. And he, uh, he looked at me and he said, we're clean. And, and he understood. And I walked out of there and just started crying. Um, it was just, you know, it was a, it was a miracle. <laughs> um, I, I, all I did was just do what I was told, you know. In this program, when I finally accepted the fact, and the one thing I was told a long time ago, and I'm very grateful for it, and it said, I was told that I don't have to like everything I have to do in this program, but I damn well better do it. You know, um, if I want to stay, you know, and, and I want to stay, you know, I'm here. Um, I've had people ask me, you know, you don't eat flour and sugar anymore. You're not going to eat it the rest of your life. And I tell them, you know, I, I pray to God I don't, you know, and, and I know that the only way that's going to happen is if I continue to work this program. You know, um, I went to the doctor about a week and a half ago and, and um, I'm 63 years old, and the doctor, my doctor tells me that I am healthier than any of the people he's had in all week that are much younger than I am. And I'm healthier today than I was when I was a kid. You know, that my blood pressure and everything is fine. Um, and I, here's a guy that, that like I said, I had to sign a, on the, this piece of paper that when I turned this sleep acne machine, that if I died, that they couldn't, that they were not responsible for it because they said I would need this machine the rest of my life and that I would have to take blood pressure pills the rest of my life and that I would going to be on pain medication the rest of my life. But, you know, today I don't take any pain medication. Um, I, I don't, uh, by the grace of God. Um, you know, I've, had, I've got a new hip. Uh, I've got an artificial hip in my body, which every time I go to the airport now I set off. You know, one time I didn't set it off, and that scared the hell out of me because, you know, and I told them, I said, you know what, I always set off <laughs> these machines. And he says, well, don't worry about it. I'm thinking, you don't understand. <laughs> what about somebody else could actually go through there with something other than just an artificial hip? So, but um, by the grace of God, uh, miracles today, the, the first miracle I think that I can remember in this program was a day that I was bending over and tying both of my shoes and still breathing at the same time um, because I couldn't do that. I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes. I remember I used to tie my shoes really, really tight and then slip them off and on and because I couldn't bend over and tie them. And I had one of these big long-handled shoehorns to put my shoes on with because there was no way. You know, um, like I said, I, I hated myself and, you know, you know, I cut all my hair off when I was 
a little younger because I hated myself and I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror. You know, today um, I don't have any hair, but it's not because I don't because I hate myself. You know, today it's it's just the way it is. It's God's choice. You know, uh, or I guess I could try Rogaine, but I you know I can never remember to take it. You know, it's like some of those other pills I was told to take for my memory, and I can never remember to take them. But um, it's strictly by the grace of God that I'm absent. Um, Completely. I, I truly believe in my heart um, that this is the only way that works for me. That, al- that um, Alcoholics Anonymous saved my life in alcohol and FA has saved my life with food. Um, there's, I tried everything before I came to this program as far as I could possibly do because, I, like I said, I'm an isolator. I, I, I'm not one that likes to be around people. Um, you know, I met my wife in this program. You know, um, I met her on an outreach call, you know, um, on a Thanksgiving day. You know, and and I had seen her in meetings before, but I've never really talked to talked to her. But I was, you know, told to make an outreach call, so I made an outreach call, and she was going to go visit her brother, and then didn't go, and 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 I was sitting around doing nothing, and we decided to go. You know. I say I ask her if she wanted to go to a movie. She says she asked me if I want to go to a movie. I don't, you know, I don't know which one. Like I guess it doesn't really matter. Anyway, we went to a movie, and um, we had to learn how to date, because you know, I didn't have a full year at the time. And my sponsor told me that we were not allowed to be alone. You know, I felt like a little teenager. You know, I had to go through the dating just like like I did. Well, I never went like that with a kid because my parents didn't care what the hell I did. You know, they were. Uh, they were just there to let me know when I was in trouble. Um, but I, I started, I learned how to, to date in this program. Um, I remember when, I, when, I, when I, I took my wife down to Monterey and proposed to her, and she thought I was going to break up with her. You know, <laughs> it was, we were both. Um, I think both are scared to death. I know I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. Um, another miracle was, you know, we got married in a, a in a farm place, and and I got to watch my wife come up in a a white carriage, horse drawn carriage, and my granddaughter, um, I was the flower girl, and she would take one petal at a time out, and and to bring, bring in leading my wife up to where I was. And someone in program that was very close to me um, asked to do our service, which was uh, a miracle, you know, that, I, that these kind of things happen, and it's a, a direct result of this program. Um, um, what else? Eh. Well, I, I was told a long time ago and that we drag ourselves we drag ourselves to these meetings and we drag ourselves till our mind shows up and then we drag our mind till our heart shows up and then we drag our heart till our soul shows up and then God can come in and heal all three you know and that's what I believed what happened for me in this program is that it's a direct result of working the steps um that my life has changed. You know, today I, I pray 
every meal I pray on my knees when I get up in the morning. I pray on my knees when I go to bed at night. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for my children. Uh, I thank God for my grandchildren. Um, you know, today I'm learning how to become a husband. You know, I, I've always um, taking mine, <laughs> and I'm learning today how to share. You know. Um, you know, today the little things that I enjoy, I, I, you know, I like taking my wife a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, I, it makes me feel good, and you know, this is absolutely a miracle because I could have cared less. You know, before, um, you know, if if there was food, a certain food item that I had in the refrigerator and friends came over, all I could think about was how could I possibly hide that in there because my refrigerator was open to anybody. I tell people, go get whatever. But how could I possibly hide it so they couldn't find it so that I could eat it later? You know, till today, um, my house is open to anybody. Uh, my life is open today to people. Um, uh, it's. It, I'm very, 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 very grateful um, for Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, uh, for a person that called this, like I said, Fat Asses Anonymous, and it took me a long time to realize that you know I'm one of them, <laughs> and I and I joined this program, and I'm very grateful that you know when I finally admitted what I called this program, that you people didn't kick me out, you know, because I was so arrogant and. Um, just, just arrogant, just extremely arrogant, uh, just refused to do what I was told. Um, but if you stick around in this program long enough, and you'll become willing. There's one, two things. You know, If you stick around this program, you're going to do one or two things. You're either going to give up and go out, or you're going to change. Yeah, there's just no other way about it. You know, um, I chose to finally accept that I am a food addict, and that my life is completely unmanageable and that I need help. And, um, and I'm very grateful for you people to help me. <laughs> um, I, I'm so grateful to my higher power to lead me to my wife um, and for my kids today. I'm grateful that my, that my son, uh, like I was saying, at my wedding, the son that I abused the most sung at my wedding, you know, and that meant a lot to me, you know, to, to that he would come and 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 sing at my wedding was I shouldn't say my wedding, our wedding. You know. uh, I'm still a little self-centered, so I still have, I'm still a work in progress. Thank God. But um, and he comes to me today and asks for help. Um, you know, um, and that's a miracle. You know, that I can be a father today for the first time in my life and that I can be available to answer questions, but I can't um, cure him. All I can do is tell him what I did and hope that he does it. And um, for that, I'm extremely grateful. And thank you very much.
Would you please join me in a moment of silence in this ready prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.